0: sports cage on 91.3 wvud with teddy gelman
1: i feel like i need to stand up in studio here and kind of experiment with how that would work brandon Halvek
2: their whole defensive line has been arrested once or twice over the past two years
0: ahmed quadri the yankees are fun to watch end quote that's it that's all i ever said and jake lampert
3: eat more chicken there you go i'll throw a slogan in there if anyone here is uh working for Chick fil i'm to throw me some sandwiches
0: it's Sports Talk Radio on 91.3 WBUD. Welcome to the cage.
1: It is finals week here at the University of Delaware, so there's not much action here in the studio, but we're always back in here and excited to have the full crew. How's everybody done with exams? Jake, I know you're still working on stuff, right? Yeah. yeah.
3: I I just finished uh my first my last exam this morning. Oh there you go. As oh, of, you're done. As you're of six thirty PM today. This will be thirty consecutive hours of uptime for wow. me. Uh I Astronaut. did I'm an all nighter down horrible. uh doing differential equations. It was it was a thrill. I sat down for the exam. You zero started, like, slurring his speech. Zero <laughs> review questions were on the exam. But you know what? you you prep for the worst. Uh I got it done. I made it through. And for the rest of the time, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm done. I get to sleep, relax, and then I get to go home. Congratulations. It's a oh. great it's a great feeling to be done. Until I get the grades back and then the regret comes in. But, you know, it, it, in the meantime, for like once you finish and then when the grades come back, that's the good time. You go relax. You don't have to worry about anything.
2: Right. You, you shouldn't stress at that point yeah. because what is done is done. You Can't know, fix it. Hey, you no should, going back you, you play the past. teams
4: in front of you, all right? You take the wins in what,
3: front of bad, you. Bad teams win, good teams lose. I don't
4: know who said that, but he sounds like a genius.
3: Well he was right the other night when
1: the Dolphins won. You put a tweet out there, right? Yeah. Dolphins beat the Patriots. Cutler,
4: three touchdowns.
3: Brady, two interceptions. Do you do you guys know the movement of sending Jay Cutler to the Pro Bowl is actually picking up a incredible amount of steam?
2: I did not know that. Yeah.
3: Is uh, it is it serious? This it's is a little be- inside joke, but it
4: starting to be
1: serious. Yeah, it looks like
3: he might get an invitation now. The, yeah, somebody is like, At least five quarterbacks we, better than him. I know the at AFC's least got. 10 I know the AFC's him. got. By at least well, the 40, reason I say that the realistically. AFC, the AFC has bad quarterbacks. Oh, well, yeah. So, so, speaking of each division having to send, like, One maybe. Maybe Jay Cutler has to play. But if he gets in, it'll be fun from him standing in the wide receiver position, kind of hands on the hips, just hanging out. Gets to see him play in a game that most people stand in the wide receiver position hands on the hips but it'll be fun nonetheless
2: i don't i honestly don't know this but are you guys star wars fans
3: i'm seeing it tomorrow it's a no for me it's a no for me too well brandon and (laughs) i'll
2: probably seeing it tonight
1: (laughs) but i respect i respect star wars even if i'm not a fan of it i'm not you know there are some people who are very much against it or uh, i don't know if you've encountered any of these people who say stuff like ah it's it's just bad it's not for me I, i i understand it's very good um tell, oh, same. It, it's very it, it's good and yeah. if if you appreciate the storyline, I just never got into it. Same never thing with same thing it. with same thing with Harry Potter. I just never, I never got into that into Harry stuff Potter. As much.
2: I never See I'm into that. I never read, read the books. Read I watched one of the books. Read
4: few of them, watched all the movies.
2: I'm all excited for this one, Joe. Jake, any predictions for what's gonna happen in this eighth episode
3: of the saga? The all the trailers and the previews kinda like Fought against each other. Like you see one, and then you have a total idea in your mind, and then you see another, and you're on the that
2: ending scene of the one trailer with Luke.
3: Oh yeah, sets you up one way, but yeah, and then you watch the other one. Uh huh. I'm just looking for a. I just want to see a lot of Chewbacca because who doesn't like him? And B, I'm really interested on how they put in Princess Leia with all the CGI that they're putting into the video, and they say they tracked a lot of her motions and a lot of her voice lines.
2: And she had, she had done a lot of the shooting, right. I believe, for this movie before she had passed, maybe even all of it, or they adapted the script so that they didn't need to do much more shooting without her. Um, but then, like, you remember back, you saw Rogue One, I yeah. assume, that ending CGI scene with her at the end of Rogue One, and it's, it's amazing, so yeah. that'll be an interesting thing to see as well.
3: And, uh, the movie's yeah, so, d- defined yeah. by CGI, so... True. Before we get but into it's, it's it,
4: amazing. also, um, when Uncaged Season 2 drops, it's going to be a one-hour special... With oh Ahmed coming out a of a left field one with hour drop, special. and I know Brandon's like, "Oh crap," because you have to you have to produce and edit this. But it'll be a one-hour special with four to five guests, and we're still working on all. Of this. It's going to be a party, okay? So don't miss out on Uncaged Season Two, Episode One. That is going to be great, great stuff.
3: That's a perfect time to segue in the middle of Brandon and that sentence about Star Wars. Thanks, Ahmed. I think it.
0: you guys are done. Yeah. I think you guys are cleaning up. Yeah, we up, we, right? we were getting
3: there. Okay, cool. All
4: right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut your Star Wars stuff off.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast.
1: Last Thursday night, we had our WVUD open mic, and I made you perform there. So
5: it's actually crazy. It gets it gets really hectic, and it's it's beautiful, though, because we all fight for the bill. But it can get hectic. It can even get physical at times. So um, it's always like, no, 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 your money's no good here. I got it. No, no, let me get it. No, let me get it. And you fight for the bill, and then it comes to a point where we start like, harassing like, employees, like, I, I do not take his money. I demand you do not take his money. And I'm just like, yo, we're at McDonald's. It's like literally a two-for-one apple pie. Like, just give the man four quarters. So it, it gets wild. And no one likes doing that more than my dad. And uh, he's probably number one. And number two just happens to be my uncle. So when we go out, shit gets wild. Um, one time we were eating, and we're eating, and the bill never comes, and my uncle's like, uh, I'll take the bill, I wanna, I, wanna, I got this, let's take the bill. Um, my dad's just chilling, they're relaxing. He obviously has his master plan. Lady comes in all nice and she's like, paid for it. He actually dropped his credit card off at the front before this whole thing even started. You're good, you got it. And my uncle's mad for like the next week he was heated till we went out to eat again. Next time we go out to eat, you know, my uncle's got an eye out. My dad's still calm, cool, we're eating, we ordered, all that stuff. So the bill comes this time, my uncle grabs it real quick. He's like, ah, I got you, you're not gonna pay this time. I got this, and then he pays, my dad didn't say a word, still chilling back, relaxing, right? Paid for it, right, boom, checkmate. No, my dad and my uncle actually have a similar PNC orange card, swapped it out before. This is how extra my dad, swapped it out before. Bam! My dad paid for the meal again. Super my dad's very passionate about these things. It's, it's just how. You did
1: it. a very nice job. It was your first time ever doing stand-up comedy, and there was actually supposed to be somebody that that went first, and because Amid was lined up to go yeah. second, and the person. Thanks a who,
4: lot, Juliet. <laughs> whoever
1: Juliet whoever hit, she she in is. In that Mike Trout role, yeah. she never and, she too. she never showed up. Yeah. So Amid went first, mm-hmm. and he he gave a very. Calm introduction with, "Hey, this is the first time I've ever done stand-up, blah 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 blah. You went right into it. You did a good job. It was about seven minutes long. and tell me if you intended to do it this way, but I didn't think that you like I didn't feel like you forced any of your humor. Yeah. I thought it was very I wanted as to if you were just subtle, kind of yeah.
4: as if you were just having a conversation with somebody, right.
1: but the stories you told were funny.
4: yeah, I just everybody has a different style, like Kevin Hart's kind of the he's kind of the extra what we call snowball. He'll just take one thing and just try to blow it up. Me, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to just tell a story. And if you laugh along the way, you laugh along the way. It's real subtle. It's I don't want to say boring, but it's not supposed to be, like, theatrical or, or feel comedic. It's just supposed to be, like, one-on-one. And then, like, some of the stuff will be funny. Some of the stuff you'll think about. I want to take you through all the emotions, you know what I mean? And, of course, um, just being a different culture than most people, I wanted to use that to my advantage. So I love bringing a little bit of flavor, a little bit of spice into it. Um, and just show you guys what it's kind of like to be, um, me, I guess, in a sense, in what, this, in Delaware.
2: What I really liked about your performance is, I don't know, I know there's a term for it in comedy, I don't know what that is, when you brought it all back together at the end. Right. Don't get caught reaching, unless it's for the check, something right.
5: like that.
4: Um, just to kind of wrap it all
2: up.
5: That's just how it was with my parents. Um, always respect the pump fake, unless you're reaching for the bill. My name's like Quadri, that's all the time I have. Thank you guys.
2: Uh, and it I, I, tied you all your different stories together, it is on purpose, which yeah. is kind of the you know the classic way that at least from what I've seen comedians finish off. Yeah. They kind of bring back something from before and apply it to that final story, that final idea as they walk off to thunderous. So
4: no close. that was a very good observation brandon i try. i did that on purpose and i was obviously. like yeah mm, <laughs> right, i did that right, write did, that down i'm no, not even gonna downplay. it. i can't really do
3: that next do time do more
4: <laughs> no but it's just one of those things i probably didn't have to do half the stuff i had to do but i really kind of prepared for it like in 48 hours as much as i could just kind of got some pointers from watching some people and from d and dan rosenfield believe it or not as wild as he is he had one heck of a stand-up one of yes. the best I've it, seen it
3: was it was one of the most rolling great. punch stand-up yeah. I've ever seen where like he hits you with a joke and you don't even have time yeah. to recover from the one before he so took he, a lot of heat 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 his previous
4: one. ones but I tell you man in the words of Michael Jordan the ceiling is a roof I, take that however you want I don't even know what that means <laughs> that's a stretch but, but we're this here this guy for has it. maybe
2: no ceiling at all so he, he he's, was very he's self-deprecating deprecating yeah in his humor but, but, but I enjoyed it to give him credit it wasn't, it was, it no, was good. I'm not saying one or the other. I'm just that's my that's my big takeaway yeah. <laughs> is that was his like renewed renewed style. for the story. It wasn't
3: Be exactly
2: that way before, Again, yeah, but it was hilarious. different styles and. WVUD sports
4: team. Nick Canella was also in some comedy earlier. I he didn't get to the, see that yet. He
1: was on the bi-weekly show. I mean, I'm telling you where... Is like, a, show for, a comedy show on STN, and Nick... St- I didn't even know until I saw it on Facebook. He starred in there as yeah. a, a, basically him. He, he was acting as a a a, hus- a a boyfriend who took his girlfriend out to the restaurant, and there was a very rude waiter who was kind of like asking all these questions, and Nick was a great actor. You can find it on Facebook, the bi-weekly show, our very own Nick Canella. He was funny. Mm-hmm.
4: We're very... Uh, dual threats here we can do a lot of things here at the wvd sports team so nick is all all into some good things right now
0: you're listening to the blue hen sports cage podcast
1: on to delaware men's basketball notre dame was in town on saturday and we all talked about this at points off air over the last week well not really week about half a week or so that the atmosphere in newark was very fun it was it was Enjoyable down there, and the team was very much competitive in the for a snowy day. First, for a snowy day, competitive for the first ten minutes. Not really anybody who knew the sport would have said that they would lose, but it was a fun. It was a fun game, a fun event. Notre Dame is a real good team, but this team, I will say, the Blue Hens team. I don't want to get into a whole mindset of oh, it's a moral loss, blah 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 blah. They did. Put up a decent fight for much of the game against a very good team. And what stood out to me most in that game was the freshmen. You got your Anderson, Allen, and Kyrie Walker who continue to get better and better with each other each week. So to me, that's a big takeaway from this. And that's what Coach Inglesby said afterwards, that this team fought. And this team played well against what is going to be, no doubt, a top
3: five seed in the NCAA tournament. And then when Looking back at the game, the one kind of thing I took away, and this might be, of course, a hindsight 2020 approach, is the Blue Hens missed. Ahmed and I were on the sidelines there. We oh, yeah, I know exactly the what it was. with this. There was probably 10, maybe 12 shots that were just pure roll around the rim 15 times, bounce off the backboard twice, hit the scoreboard a few times. That stuff and happens then, every uh, game. That stuff happens every game. No, though. I know it happens every game, but it happens but it, twice at three Four times every game. Well, it I'll even side with Teddy on this, Jake. It does
4: well, happen it. every game. But in this kind of game, you have to be perfect. And the Blue Hens were not perfect. They weren't great, but they played good though. Well, they played 68. good. Well, here's my were, question. There I don't want to. Yeah.
1: I don't want to approach this game
4: from the yeah. perspective of, oh, if if they did this, they
1: could
3: have won. Correct. Uh, no, no, we're no, not I'm looking not, for yeah, wins no, or losses I'm not here. Saying that, that, that right. They won. Yeah. I'm looking at it in the grand scheme. Like this game. Yeah. Scoreboard wise. The Blue Hens played it a lot more competitive. I'm not saying it was a right. high-game competitiveness, but they played a lot more competitive than the score represented because there were a lot of the roles that went around the rim that easily could have fallen to give given the to shorten the gap between these two teams. The Blue Hens played well. I think that what I pull from that player-wise is that out of the freshmen, I think Kyrie Walker is going to get a lot more play time as the season goes on because he has been better and better and better every game we've seen Buffalo, he came in, and he had a stretch where he was responsible or scored like 10 points in a row. This Notre Dame game, twice you saw him drive down court, make his own space, and hit a pull-up shot over Bobby Colston. And that's Kyrie, not the easiest yeah. shot to do. So you're going to see him, I think you're going to see him down the road in yeah. more kind of impact situations.
4: Kyrie Walker is what Esmond K- Hayes was supposed to be. And it's, it's just one of those things. Kazmin Hayes this, never panned out. they different. Yeah, but
5: yeah.
4: It, like, what you need for the team, uh, obviously, okay. that's not a fair comparison because Casman Hayes, guy with potential, never Kasman really
2: panned out. Hayes
1: was,
4: was a shooter. Kyrie Walker is a guy in a the paint. They're totally different players.
2: I'm just talking I about
1: coming
3: off the bench and just yeah. providing a spark.
2: Um, I kind of see it. It's not the same right. style. But it's not the same style. But I think just later in the
3: season, we don't see Kyrie Walker coming off the bench. I think he gets a starting spot. I potentially. I think very potentially. well. Potentially. And again, I mean, it,
2: it's probably is he better than Darian Bryant? That's probably the guy to yeah. spot. I mean, he's got more potential.
4: And again, Darian Bryant is
2: just one of those guys.
4: He, he's been battling injury. A guy who's a smooth shooter who can stroke it. Um, kind of, I guess, filling the void of Pinkard, just an automatic all three-point all right. shooter.
2: Devon Pinkard. Are we going to act like he was like draining threes all year? No, here? he wasn't. But like last that, year, didn't the only guy who ever right scored though. was Ryan Daly? I, uh, also, these
4: guys, these freshmen now way better are going to be guys. better than De'Ron Pinker. Kevin Anderson's better than De'Ron Pinker. All Pinkard. I'm saying it is it's not fair to, fair to compare all them I'm saying to saying is guys. As the season's opening, these guys are really, I'm saying better because this is what... Uh, Inglesby wanted to do with this team last year and they're accomplishing that now and we're seeing that uh-huh. now these teams are better that's all I'm really saying what? I okay. hate to compare agree. but I'm just saying these guys are panning out to be better than, and they're doing sp- they're doing what they're supposed to be doing is all I'm saying really well that's good that they're yeah. doing what they're yeah. supposed it's to be doing In the same style I mean,
2: but they're better now it's the same the style and it's a better team
4: skill. and don't let that uh, again I know we're talking about Notre Dame here but don't let that loss fool you I agree with you Teddy no moral victories here but if you look at since we're not looking at the moral victory we're looking at stats and we're looking at um, actual play, I think they're they're really getting the job done. Well, last year, let's consider overall perspective
1: here. Last year, sure. Inglesby is coaching a team with a lot of players who he did not recruit, sure. and a lot of players who were leftovers from the Monte Ross era. So whatever style he wanted to put out there on the court was difficult to do with personnel that he, of course you can mold the personnel around the system, but oftentimes what we're seeing here is he is choosing personnel For the system. So in this game on Saturday, what stood out to me most was not just Kyrie Walker. And this is not at all a shot to you, Jake. It wasn't just Kyrie Walker. It wasn't that they were missing shots. It was energy. And it was the team-oriented vibe that they were playing with. They were passing the basketball. They were defending. To me, what stood out even more than Kyrie Walker was Kevin Anderson. I think he's a difference maker out there. Oh, just exchanging threes. It was so fun to watch. He is lanky. And he got a... Her first quick step past Matt Farrell, one of the best point guards in the ACC. And Kevin Anderson ended up having a really good game, 23 points, best on the team. And you look at who they were playing without. You didn't have Derek Woods and Jacob Cushing, who of course don't start, but they provide a little bit of depth. So they got worn out as the the game goes on. Ryan Daly, I I was very unimpressed. You started off hot. I don't think he started off hot. I, he started. started put some had,
3: respect on Jacob Cushing. He started the Buffalo game. Let's, let's put some respect on his name right here. He did start on the Buffalo Well,
1: game. the reason Jacob I reference him and Woods is because Jacob Cushing has improved a lot in the first couple of games this year. It's not putting him up there with everybody else, but he's improved. Yeah. And Derek Woods is providing depth in the front court, which they didn't have at all yeah. last season.
2: I think when we get to March, I don't think those guys see the floor much because you've got to tighten your rotation. But I think they're sure. very important in January and February because, like we've talked about, you can't play Ryan Daly 40 minutes a game, and now we're even seeing it with the other guys. Kevin Anderson played 40 minutes against Notre Dame. Ryan Allen played, played 27. Excuse me, Kyrie Walker was the other one who played a lot. He played 37 minutes. You can't play these guys the entire game. So I think that's where they're important is in conference play to get that seed. You need 15 to 20 really good minutes from Derek Woods. You need 15 minutes from Jacob Cushing. Um, and you need all those guys healthy, too, which has also been kind of a factor in out-of-conference play.
3: Anthony Mosley played 15 minutes against the Notre Dame game. Is that because of, like we talked about, you have these freshmen, you have yeah. these ball handlers shining? Because uh, he's we, yeah. not his recruit. We, yeah, we've,
2: well, I don't we, even what? think it's that. I think Kevin Anderson's better.
3: I think don't, don't like
4: that, too, but yeah, I don't it, it's, it's one of those things. When I was when I was comparing players, I actually wasn't comparing players. I was trying to compare the styles, and you see the Inglesby style is reflected upon those three guys that you mentioned, Anderson, Allen, and Walker? I think it's the other way around. I don't think the
1: Inglesby style is reflected upon them. I think they're doing what... He wants to see. Maybe that's the same
4: thing you're saying. It is, but okay. Like you guys thought, I was comparing players well, from I last year's. I'm not trying to compare players. I'm just saying the two styles are different. Mosley might still be on that kind of raw style. I don't think you
1: have to have a, a two point guards that are exactly what Inglesby wants. Anthony Mosley should be a serviceable
3: player, but basically and he, is. Look, he, he, is. Is. he
1: is. Yeah, Kevin Anderson's better. So He's why better. Is, I think it comes why is down it to the that. Surprise I think Mosley and
3: last- Anderson, I think, play very yeah. similar game types. Both are quick players, but I think Anderson is just better. At it, what you just mm-hmm. said. Right. I think both of them are very. So that's why he plays over Mosley. But the only, but 15 minutes a game. Yeah. That just seems a bit low for me. It's it's one game. I yeah, mean, It's, 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 it's one, one game. game. Well, Can he
2: play 30 bu- plus against Buffalo. No,
3: Buffalo. He got pulled out late in the game when they needed. When right. I and personally Nick, Nick and I doing the game when we think we needed to see Anthony Mosley in the game, I mean, they I'm took not, him out. I I don't know. I I'm not in the coaching the thing.
2: I, I He was 23 minutes against Buffalo. I
4: see what you're saying, Jake. It's scored four Do the freshmen have more potential and should they earn more minutes? I mean, yeah. I think so, but I agree with you. 15 just sounds kind of low.
2: That's all.
1: Is it... Shoot this down if you think I'm wrong. In my mind, I think that our approach to Anthony Mosley is based on the fact that this team was so bad the last couple years. I don't... I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't think Anthony Mosley... Is a guy to be relied on. Kevin Anderson is way better than him. I think it's Corey, a little harsh. Corey Holden was way better than him. I think mm. we. I think yeah, over the last could have been. Listen, Corey Holden. listen. I think over the last year no, and you're a half, right, we I just, perso- not just us, yeah. but I think the general vibe that we taught us and the surrounding media talked about Anthony Mosley is we overrated him. I don't think he's as good as we made him out to be. And I think by the end of January, we're going to see big time how much better Kevin Anderson is than him. Anthony Mosley is overrated on this
3: team. The only reason we thought he was as good as he was is because they had nobody better because they were so bad. I'm going to put the only, the one thing that, and this is going to be incredibly poorly worded and seem incredibly harsh, but following- By the way,
4: what, we have Anthony Mosley on the show next fa-
3: Following <laughs> what Teddy just said, I think Anthony Mosley's only real usage is at- some point in the game to be the veteran ball handler. Oh, come on. You look... at the they go? They're college kids. No. no yeah, but <laughs> but you, you, you look at the Buffalo game <laughs> and sounds, down the stretch... sounds like I'm bringing Andre Miller off the bench when he you, like 38 you years you old for five the minutes, minutes to the stretch. Allen Kevin Iverson, Anderson come on. had two huge Shout turnovers and lost the game for <laughs> Delaware against Buffalo. Kevin Anderson was the sole reason Delaware lost the game against Buffalo. That time, you needed to bring in... You need to give the ball to Daly. You need to give the ball to Mosley. Someone who did not turn off the ball. That entire game, a same ball hand. I'm going to give you
2: the devil's advocate. Don't you want Kevin Anderson to be better in that situation in February March? How going, is he gonna going to get better in that situation if he's not in the game? If
3: we're going moral victories, doesn't sure. matter. You play those guys who are the future of your you program and the crunch them. If we want to go moral victories, play Kevin Anderson 10 times out of 10. But that is a game I'm that... I'm not
2: saying it's a moral victory. I'm saying well, you want it's, Kevin... It's not a scoreboard victory. You give Kevin Anderson the chance because, as we all just said, didn't everybody just say Kevin Anderson's better than Anthony Mosley? That's why you play him in crunch time. Sure, he's not as experienced. He's going to make mistakes. So is Ryan Allen. So is Kyrie Walker. So is Ryan Daly. He's a sophomore. He's not a veteran. But but you play these guys because, in the end, if they win the CAA tournament, it's going to be because these are the guys who are leading them there. They have the most potential, and you have to play them right now through growing pains for them to realize that potential at the end of the tunnel.
4: I, I agree with both of you. I think what Jake is saying that it, if we are in the CAA Finals right now, it's against Towson, a team Anthony Mosley has played plenty of times, and there's 2.9 on the clock. Who do you feel more comfortable leaving in? Who's
1: going to score the basket? Kevin Anderson's going to score the basket. Right. Anthony Mosley, the only time that Anthony Mosley scores is when he sneaks in and throws up a little layup
3: in front of 2.9 <laughs> seconds left to go, I'm putting the ball in Kevin Anderson's hands 10 times out of 10 times. With two and a half minutes left on the clock, dribbling yeah. down court, I want Anthony Mosley dribbling the ball down court. I want Kevin Anderson on the court with him. I would like Kevin Anderson to take the shot, but I want Anthony Mosley to be dribbling down court, not Kevin Anderson, because Anthony Mosley is better with decision making. He's smarter with the basketball than Kevin Anderson is. Credit it to, like Brandon just said, they need to learn the set, they need to learn the organization, like the organization of the offense. Fine. With two minutes left on the clock, I want. Ke- I want. Who who leads the team in turnovers this season? Anthony Mosley, 21 turnovers. How many does Kevin Anderson have?
2: Kevin Anderson has 14, and he has played one less game. Okay, so? So they're about the same per game. Last,
1: last season, this team had Anthony Mosley to bring the ball up, and that and was I, it.
2: I don't want to make this a bash on Anthony Mosley either, because I think, Teddy, you, you pointed out that he's a serviceable player. Sure. I think it's more of a statement about what Delaware now has in the program. I think you could point to Derek Woods, you could point to Jacob Cushing as these guys who should just play a few minutes right with Anthony Mosley. Yes. Um, But I think it's a changing of the guard that now it has to be about Kevin Anderson, Ryan Allen, Kyrie Walker. And maybe you saw that against Notre Dame in a big-time game. They all played a huge role.
1: And down the stretch, we're going to see more and more, and I don't think this is a bold prediction at all. It's going to become very clear more and more that Kevin Anderson is clearly the guy that you want to have out there because Anthony Mosley is a serviceable player to have on the court, but he's not dynamic as Kevin Anderson is. And when you look at what this team has and what this team is going to have this season, next season, and the following year, and even the following year for these freshmen, these are the guys, and I want to see out there Anderson, Allen, and Kyrie Walker working together. I want to see them with Ryan Daly, and I want to see this work together. Anthony Mosley's gone after this year, and I think he should receive minutes, but I wouldn't be surprised if they decrease throughout the year.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast.
1: All right, here we go. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, getting is, hot in here. Aaron Rodgers is back, <laughs> and this makes the <laughs> NFC yeah, playoff the picture the, the race for the sixth spot in the NFL pretty interesting in the NFC because of the game that we have on Saturday that on Sunday that we will pick between the Green Bay Packers and the Carolina Panthers. Here is where I want to go with this. Rodgers back right now, should we approach this as is it an overreaction to to be talking about how can the Packers
4: make the playoffs? Is that an overreaction?
3: With no. Aaron Rodgers at well, the quarterback no. position, L- let's not look an it's not an overreaction. Short
4: term, I don't know if he's going to be effective or not. I think he needs a couple games with to with Aaron Rodgers at the it.
3: quarterback position, you can have, you can't have any doubt in your mind that well, he is going to. Well, here's also the thing.
4: Hundley was also picking up some traction. He's not great. They, they played the he's Browns not great. last week. Uh, he's not great. All right, he, all right
3: Collinsworth. I'm he, I'm just need overtime to beat the Browns. He's the
4: traction. I'm literally using all the right, most minimal work.
3: I don't know if Aaron Rodgers could play
4: better. I'm just saying right now, you we're, we're putting Aaron Rodgers in. I, I, I'm i even going on fantasy fantasy football. It's giving him like 19 points. Let's calm down here. He's just coming back.
3: Let's Hundley give him some... needed overtime to beat a Brown sure, team. That's fine. Aaron Rodgers is sure. going to come back. He is going to be better than he Brett had a nice Hundley comeback. ever he threw- was and will be. Chris Collinsworth over there.
4: Two touchdowns to Devontae Adams. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not even saying he's good. I'm just saying he is, he's been playing above average, if that's fair. If he was playing above average, then he would have found a way to beat the
1: Steelers three weeks ago. All right. Well, that's they should not have a won fair that football statement. Game. Yeah, totally they are 11-2. I, I don't know if they no, should have won that, was, that the, football the game. The way that
2: game shook out, they had a chance
1: to yeah, win. But if you sure. had Aaron Rodgers against the Steelers, I think they would have won the game. He, if you had Aaron Rodgers against the Steelers, they would have been closer. Anyone,
3: this, that's so what, that's what, why I'm
4: saying it's not So what, what I'm hearing right now is that all three of you guys better pick Packers next week. Well, I just...
1: I'm The question
2: was, is it reasonable to say they have a chance to make the playoffs? I think it's
1: absolutely And And you you came out and said,
4: well, I don't know. It might be too early. We what? might want to keep Brett Hundley now. I
1: mean, no, he might we'll be just... coming
4: back too soon. So let me actually answer your, your question, Teddy. I think a lot of things, the way it'll work out, I mean, it's going to be tough, but they do, obviously, their next three games are all divisional opponents. So we'll see that's what think, happens. That's not right. Well, <laughs>
1: they,
3: they're all...
4: The <laughs> Panthers are not in their <laughs> division. Oh, well, Vikings, Bears...
1: And then Panthers. They don't play the Bears. Let me read. <laughs> it's right in front of you. Right, pa- let me re- Panthers, Vikings, Lions. Two games so two divisional. So two of the three. Lions, all of the Bears. They both walk on four
3: legs. I think all all they make All of the teams they
1: play are above 500. So the Packers, they may make things a little more interesting. They'll have the Panthers. We'll pick that later on. Let's go around the NFC. Go Eagles right now. And I want to go to the two Eagles fans in the room to start, and then and then Jake and I can give our our um thoughts here. Obviously, it's demoralizing. You lose a guy who's a a top candidate for the MVP, Carson Wentz, having a great season. Nick Foles comes in. He's one of the better backups in the NFL. Is there hope?
4: Correct me if I'm wrong. Real quick, Brandon. Two out of the next three, and Eagles have a very solid chance of getting that first NFC spot. That's all he needs to do, correct?
2: They need to just win. If they win this weekend against the Giants, they will secure a first-round bye. So that would be the first seed or the second seed, mm-hmm. and then they would either need Minnesota to start losing a little bit more, or you know win one of those next two games, right. which are against Oakland and Dallas. So short term things look things looking good for Foles. He's got two two out of the three games
4: should be fairly easy, and that's all he has to really do. I think looking short term, not talking about the playoffs yet, I feel pretty confident in in Nick Foles.
2: I'll speak to kind of. the the bigger picture at large to give my feeling on Sunday. Um, And I talked to Teddy about this earlier in the week because, you know, as as non-Eagles fan, it could be kind of difficult to understand maybe why it seems like Eagles fans maybe have given up hope or maybe think it's not going to happen when, you know, an outsider looks and says, well, Nick Foles in 2013, he had the third best season in NFL history by passer rating when he threw for 27 touchdowns and had just two interceptions. He's definitely a viable backup. But why this is disheartening is because Carson Wentz is this team. He's the face of this team, no doubt. He's one of the best things to happen to Philadelphia sports, basically, ever. He was in the midst of, arguably, the best season by an Eagles quarterback ever. And what he literally threw the Eagles franchise record touchdown three plays after he tore his ACL in a cruel twist of fate, giving him the most touchdowns in single season history for the Eagles but putting him out for the season. He had a grimace on his face as he did it, and it was an amazing throw. And and it's tough because you look at how this team is structured, even though it's just year two of Carson Wentz and he's going to be in a Philadelphia uniform for as long as he can play, this might have been their best chance, and still is a good chance, but it's certainly not as good a chance. It might have been their best chance to win a Super Bowl, to win the first-ever Super Bowl in Eagles history because after this year, a few of their very important players come off the books, most notably linebacker Nigel Bradham, and then eventually down the road, you're going to have to give Carson Wentz one of those massive quarterback deals. He will get the biggest contract of all time when he is up, whatever that might be at that point, and as we saw with Seattle a few years ago when they had to pay Russell Wilson, as we saw with Baltimore in 2012 when they had to pay Joe Flacco. Once you have one of those big quarterback deals, all of a sudden you're shedding veterans left and right to stay under the salary cap, and it depletes your team. Right now the Eagles, I think it's probably safe to say, are the most well-rounded team in football. Maybe not the best, but they have talent at every position, and in some time down the road it's going to be a lot more on Carson Wentz. And now you talk about Wentz not being ready for week one next year. Is Wentz ever going to be the same as he is now? So this season, there's still a good chance with Nick Foles, and it has happened before, and it's happened in worse situations. But with Carson Wentz, this was maybe the best chance for the Eagles ever, and who knows what Carson Wentz looks like when he comes back because such a big part of his game is that mobility and his ability to be fearless and run outside the pocket and get hit, and does that change when he comes back? Might
4: not even be ready for week one is the report.
3: And now that the Eagles fans have spoken, and I, there was a lot going around on, lightly, the, on the Twitter world. Well, no, I'm, I'm I'm talking about Eagles fans in the cage rage. Spoiler alert! And what Brandon just said was actually the best, probably response to the Eagles fans when Carson Wentz going down that I've seen. There was a lot of things on Twitter and a lot of Eagles fans that I've talked to in person that had awful, in my opinion, reactions to Carson Wentz going down. And what Brandon said was good. I think that looking at it. From a team standpoint, out of all 32 teams in the NFL, the only teams with backups that have played full seasons are Fitzmagic, and we know he's good for like seven seconds.
2: Ryan Fitzpatrick for everyone. Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick.
3: I have the Vikings in a a lot of quotes because who's their backup? Regardless of who their backup is, they both played full seasons. If you call it Bradford, you call it Bridgewater, Bridgewater, whatever you want to decide to do. Matt Castle, who is... Besides his 2010 Pro Bowl season, has been nothing. And Ryan Mallett, who is basically in the Matt Castle board, but hasn't had a Pro Bowl.
2: Where's Ryan Mallett right
3: now? I think he's Baltimore. Um, yeah, I think he's Baltimore's backup. And then it's Nick Foles. Out of that entire list of quarterbacks, Nick Foles is leaps and bounds better than all of them. And like you talked about, the historic season, morale-wise. Like I've talked about all the time with injuries, like David Johnson going down, a huge morale hit. Greg Olson going down, morale hit. None of that compares to Carson Wentz going down for the Eagles fans. I think that is probably the biggest morale hit that any player could take besides a a, a Tom Brady going down, an Antonio Brown coming down, an Aaron Aaron Rodgers going down. Drew Brees. A a Drew Brees, a superstar player. A face of a division going down would be heartbreaking. Team-wise... I still really like them as a team. I think with Carson Wentz, they are, like you said, the best rounded, well-rounded team in the NFL. Now, put in Nick Foles, quarterback's going to take a slight drop-off. You're going to see a lot. I think you're going to see a bit more running action, which is great Hopefully. now yeah. because I don't. when they picked up Ajayi, I don't even think they were expecting him to use Ajayi as much as they probably will in the upcoming weeks, He's which is huge.
2: seven yards a carry since coming to Philadelphia.
3: And Ajayi and Blunt are... I think two and three, or one and two, or one and three in yards after contact. So they are one, yeah, some, two of the side. hardest running backs to take down. You're going to see them run the ball a lot more. Is is it bad to say I don't really see them getting worse? Maybe because Carson Wentz makes the team very like he made the team, but I don't really see them taking a huge fall down. Especially because of the Nicole's NFC coming in. Especially if the NFC playoffs run through Philadelphia. Yeah, Nick, Nick. Yeah,
4: and Nick. I think
2: that's a huge difference yeah. to have a backup quarterback playing at home versus yeah, playing home in a hostile game. atmosphere.
3: Two home games is essentially what he needs to win.
2: Or he's also
3: used to the Philadelphia atmosphere. Right, he's yeah. used to and the they're going to embrace huge
2: for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, if if he takes the Eagles, not even to the Super Bowl, if he takes them to the NFC Conference Championship mm-hmm. or to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl, he'd be a legend. Regardless of whatever happens yeah. in the next years, if he's not even on the team next mm-hmm. year he would be immortal in Philadelphia. It's just, can he do it?
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast.
1: We're going to talk about Delaware women's basketball who is approaching conference play. They absolutely destroyed Delaware State on Sunday, which Mm. they should have because Delaware (laughs) State is not good. And Delaware State played with seven players. And I don't want to trash Delaware State more than I already have. But I, I gotta be honest. You and the Canelo were on the call, right? Yeah, I gotta be honest. A couple of these Dell State players look like they just got pulled out of the classroom and said, "Hey, can you play basketball?" They were bad. They wow. were they were really bad. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't run. And and I I, I know we're looking we at you said
2: two- one of them was the worst player you've seen at the college level earlier this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah,
4: so Delaware State's still a D1 oh, school.
2: Well, I'm surprised. I won't say who it was. I actually don't even remember who I, it was. I, I, I'm, I'm very surprised by that. I, uh,
4: I won't get
1: into it either. L- let me give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they were hurt. They had seven players <laughs> dressed, but the men's team tough. had seven great yeah. players dressed the previous night. It's just a disparity in talent. But when we look at the Delaware Blue Hens perspective in that game, I know we shouldn't read into it too much because it was Delaware State, but let's take a moment to recognize the scoring across the board that they accumulated in this game against Delaware State in which you had multiple players in double figures. Simone de Vries led the way. Then you had Nicole Nabosi, Bailey Cargo, and because they were winning by so much... Allison Lewis, who has never played a game with this team. She had an injury after she transferred, so she never saw any minutes. She came in, she made a free throw. It was this big celebration. So they basically entered, emptied their bench on Sunday's game against Delaware State. And the freshmen were pretty good. I thought the one who stood out the most in that game was Lizzie O'Leary. But we're seeing it more and more now, guys. Every single week, there is additional scoring besides... Nicole Annabose this season, and I was real impressed by Simone Defries. She was 8 for 13. Eight for 13 shooting. We talked to her postgame. Um, didn't say it a lot. She was very like, oh, I'm just here for the team, as a lot of them say. Sometimes you want to get more, but I'm that's... Here so I don't get fine. Yeah, I'm just here, I'm just here, so I don't get fine. You want me for the interview, I'll do it. So she,
3: I thought she had a great game, and getting more comfortable out back there shooting the three. She's going, and she also pulled down nine rebounds. She's tied for the team lead with Nicole Annabose. But... Very lanky player. I just shrugged yeah.
2: my shoulders at Teddy. She's shooting seventeen point four percent from three, so there's room for. Improving. She was good. She but was. But she can get to the basket. She was good in that game. Uh, she was yeah.
3: good in that game. It's it's important that other people can score the ball. We see it on the men's side instead of having just one, maybe two players that can score. We now have a plethora of players that can score the basketball. And now that we're seeing on the women's side of this, that you have. Five, six players that are capable of scoring the basketball, some more capable than others, but you have players that can score. I'm I'm not—
2: I hate to be the the Grinch here, but let's not get carried away. They have two or three people who can be relied upon to score.
3: You have— About five or six. You have the depth of scorers on the team. You you, you I mean, you, okay, you know. Anabosi, DeVries, Cargo. Who else do they have? I'd say Rebecca Lawrence can score the basketball, if you want to put if that in there. If she gets,
1: like, 15 feet with no defender by her. Well, Rebecca
3: Lawrence, what's what she? At the knows? end she, of the year, Rose. <laughs> yeah, Teddy, Teddy's going, oh, wait, Rebecca Lawrence. <laughs> La- oh, no, that's Abby Gonzalez. I was like, wait, Rebecca Come Lawrence on. had seven let's, assists there. Let's give her credit, but, but
2: this She's was, playing 16 this, and a half
1: minutes a And game. this was Delaware State, who player. I said has players who look like they just got picked out of the classroom to
3: play. All right, so then I, I, I don't know how much I can analyze the stat sheet right now. I don't know if I can analyze the stat sheet at all if it's against, if I'm truly believing exactly what Teddy just said. Um, so, I'm, you know what, I'm going to leave. Go skeptical Yeah, now, now that I'm reading the stat sheet. Don't I'm, doubt me. Go, um, down no, not, I, I, actually, go down there and watch I one actually of their games. Go down there and watch one of their games and then let you. me know. I believe you, so I'm going to close the stat sheet here, and I'm just saying I'm excited to see when conference play comes along. There we go. Well, like, I
4: think it's getting late, and I really don't think we need to be looking at stats. <laughs> it's getting late into the year, so... It's still it's a calendar it's year, calendar year. Calendar I think we're like you're like so mentally we, checking I'm out. I'm getting lost. Wait, <laughs> wait. What are we uh, talking about? So, so can we can we <laughs> No stats on Thursday. I mean, so you, you guys have so much finals, out. so many, so much you know homework. I don't think There's the last thing we want to do is look up analytics.
1: So can we start looking at it in January? We
4: should we we should be <laughs> able to be back January, ready for CAA play, looking at analytics. <laughs> so no no analytics.
1: No today. analytics until after, after
4: Christmas. Jake's always gonna do analytics though. That's his major.
1: I don't want to look at
3: stats until after Christmas. Not gonna be an actual Actuarial science. Numbers are fun. It's kind it's kind of hard to like dispute. When one person has a one next to their name and one person has a three, you know, if it's rankings, you know, the one's probably better than the three. That's why I like analytics. Rankings. Okay,
2: but, but rankings but can be good. But the, they can also. Over- you looked own at own the analytics animals. and yeah. you looked at 5.3 points per game from Rekup Lawrence and said, "There's somebody who can score." I mean, she's well, a good role player. Technically, he's not wrong, but technically, like, I, see, I see where you're I coming from with it. 5.3 is a fraction the of 60 or
4: 70 points a game. So, so I see where both of you guys are coming from. Uh, I, I think. Jake was think, a little too literal with it. Uh-huh,
2: but I, I mean, I, overall, they, they yeah. have more people mm-hmm. than maybe in the past, and I think the up tempo sure. style, which we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. caters a little bit better to what they have personnel wise compared to the way that they, they were playing last year. And it, it's been very fun to see, you know, Simone Defreese break out as somebody who I think was way under all of our raiders' com- radars coming into this season. Uh, and then you got, you know, Nicole Nabosi, She's going to be the best player. You know, certainly on this team, and I think in the conference again. Maybe pump the brakes. We'll see what happens in CAA play. But she got a shot. Twenty point one points per game, twelve point two rebounds per game. Both still lead the uh, CAA by a mar- like a big margin. She's she's very good, and I don't think it takes a whole lot around her for this team. To be a CAA contender because she's just that talented.
1: And I know again, it's against Dell State, but she didn't. Yeah, and but, 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 but taking but, the no, season what, into perspective, no, no, yeah, yeah, No, I was just prefacing what I was going to say. Okay. I totally agree with you. I'm saying I know she, It was against Delaware State, but. She got two fouls in the first quarter, scored nothing. She didn't play, basically, the entire of the fourth quarter. She only played 22 minutes, and she still ended up with 17 points. She basically just, she could take over a game and mow through players if she needs to. And how nice would it be to have some shooters on the outside that she could dish it out to and them knock it down? And they're coming along. Bailey Carger's coming along. Second in the CIA in, in three-point shooting. Second.
2: They're, I mean, that's what you want, right? If you're going to be dumping the ball down low and drawing extra defenders to Nicole Nabosi, somebody has to make you pay from the outside. And players like Cargo, Gonzalez, they're going to get a lot of open looks. They've got to take them. And then they've got to knock them down. And right now, Cargo is. Gonzalez still has room to improve from deep. DeFries has room to improve from deep. But
0: so far, it's been encouraging. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast.
1: NL MVP Giancarlo Stanton was traded from the Miami Marlins to the New York Yankees, and now you put him alongside Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, and the New York Yankees are all of a sudden looking real powerful in the AL East. Immediate, the, the, here's a question. Here's what I want to know. is Where does this put them, the Yankees, among
3: not only the AL but also Major League's best? Well, you have Judge, Sanchez, and Stanton who have accounted for, I believe they had 168 home runs combined last season. The Boston Red Sox, as a team, hit 167. So you have three players on one team that have hit more home runs than an entire team and organization, not to add that team is perhaps your biggest rival and your biggest contender for the playoff spot. Uh, I think that the Yankees are going to start off slow the first 10, 15 games because they need to decide what they want to do with their lineup. Because with three hitters that can bat the four spot, you might see them go one, two, three. Then they're gonna go Stanton four, Judge five, Sanchez six. I don't think so. to I, try and push them back and trying to get those three power hitters even I, into the second I, inning.
2: I disagree. I think the new conventional wisdom is to get all of those guys at least two, three, four because you need to maximize the number of plate appearances they're gonna get. If you leave Sanchez in the six hole, by you know over the course of the season, you're taking away about an at bat every game. So he could go from 600 at-bats, let's say, if he plays every single game, to about 500, 450. Um, so I, I see where you're saying where they're going to definitely change some things around. I've seen people make the case for Aaron Judge hitting leadoff. I don't think they'll go that far, but I think it will be some combination at 2-3-4. Uh, and even Judge, I think, last year hit third a lot of the time, or sometimes even second, despite not having you know, John Carlos Stanton to be protecting him.
3: But um, I think it also makes more sense because they gave away, well not gave away, they traded Castro. yeah, Starling Castro, which is going to be a huge, Not I, I'm not going to call it lost, but a, a really bad lineup issue because Castro was a really solid part of the lineup, not necessarily a deep ball hitter. He was the contact hitter, and then that kind of allowed the lineup to hook around the nine spot and get back to the top of the lineup. So without him, because in order to extend innings, home runs really don't do it. That just gets you to the next bat. If you if you want to milk the pitcher out, you need to milk at bats and then make the inning slower, and then the hitters can get more opportunities. But I I think the lineup gets better overall. Well,
2: yeah, I, I see your point with that. But you also say we have a chance to you know cast off our pretty good nine hole hitter to get the National League MVP. Ten times out of ten, you do that deal as long as the finance. Oh is no, I, the I think
3: I think it's definitely and if you're a good New York, deal.
2: You absolutely and the the prospects that they gave up from most people's analysis are basically nothing. Yeah, um, compared to what might be in deals, you know, in past off seasons for Chris Sale or for guys at the deadline, Zach Ranke a couple of years ago. Those other big names. It seems like this was a pretty sizable discount that the Yankees got because that Stanton contract was so large and because Stanton. Wielded much power with that new trade clause and denied the trades initially to San Francisco and to St. Louis to make the competition in the market lesser for the Yankees.
3: So this one of the articles that I just pulled across had it going four, five, six. This next article I just opened has them going uh three, four, five. So they have because they're gonna go Gardner and the DDP almost regardless at one and two. You really can't take Brett Gardner out of the one spot. It's, it's, it's where he's successful. It's what he's good at. I mean, you could but, bat him ninth if you wanted to. But then, like, like you just talked about with like losing at bats, he's, he's critical to get at bats on, on that team. You can move maybe Didi and then shuffle it, but they have so much power in their lineup that it really doesn't matter where yeah. any of these players go. In the worst way possible, you can put them two, seven, and eight, and you're probably still going to get as much success.
2: Yeah, getting back to that bigger picture question that you asked, Teddy, kind of out of the weeds of that, I think it makes them a lot better. I don't think I peg them as the best team in baseball, but I think they have to be the favorites in the American League East. And I think with the two losses that the Indians had in their bullpen, Brian Shaw and Joe Smith, obviously not household names, but I think those are big losses, unless they do something, I think that they leapfrog above Cleveland, and maybe now they're just second in the American League behind the Houston Astros, who are still obviously very, very young and who will return most of their key contributors from last year's World Series run.
4: I was just going to say, Astros still look like a team that could be solid for another three years, at least contend for that AL spot. But, yeah, of course, my favorite team to watch, the Yankees, I'm going to put them in front now. I'd love to see a matchup against... Yankees and the Houston Astros in the ALCS now, but with that being said, I think a guy that really didn't get mentioned is Didi, and him coming back is going to be huge as well, and that team still very strong. I'm going, to, I'm going to pick them. I love getting ahead of myself here, so I'll pick them obviously to win the AL East, but I think the Yankees-Astros combination is going to be very nice and fun to watch for the next three to four years. You
3: have the Astros who are going to be good. They're they're Five or six core players have a combined age of like four years old, mm-hmm. so they're going to be playing, if their contracts allow they're it, four. to play as long as they want in a yeah. Houston uniform if, with contracts allowing it. But the Yankees are young too. Stanton's only 28. Now, I'm not saying that's the youngest baseball player that you can possibly get, but 28, you still have a bunch of years to play. He's in his prime. Yeah, Judge. He's just reaching his prime. And I think Judge and Sanchez, they're the baby boomers, it's the whole movement for the Yankees, these two teams are going to be good for a long time with contracts allowing and with their teams staying together. Because we're going to talk about these teams this season, next season, season after that, unless another team kind of pulls a a Yankees or an Angels and beefs up real quick to get into this playoff contention.
1: Well, you look at the other side of the trade, that's the Miami Marlins, who has not only dumped Stanton, but Christian Yelich. I saw this funny meme yesterday was uh, saying Christian Yelich, hey, get me out of here too, because all of their other top players have gone. Stanton to New York. Ozuna just traded yesterday, unless I'm saying that correctly, yesterday, to the the Cardinals, who of course were in the running for Stanton, but he said, I don't want to go there, and ended up going to New York. He had a lot of leverage with that. So Marcel Ozuna will clearly make the Cardinals better. And the Marlins here, I... Brandon, we talked about this last week. I think maybe it was two weeks ago. No, it was last week last because, week. and and I, I'm very surprised as well what you said last week about why everybody's freaking out about the fact that Marlins are getting rid of their players. They've done this for years now, and it's a position where they either either needed to bring in more players, get some players from their farm system, which they don't have, so that's why they're trying to get them via trades, or ship out their best players, so they chose the easy route, ship out the best players, and try to start again. So when you look at both of these trades, Ozuna and Stanton, to me, there's very little, oh, what are, are these trades good for them? It You traded them to better teams, and you redo yourself. It, to me, I don't really get all of that thinking and I think the Marlins will be down in the bottom of the L- NL East, one of the bottom teams for a couple years. I agree. But they'll get back up there soon enough and this was necessary for them. If I'm a Marlins fan, sure, in short term, I might not like it but over time, you hope you get better.
2: I agree with everything you said up until that last point. I think if you're a Marlins fan, you're kind of, I mean, I would be ready to like jump to the ship because how many times have you gone through this cycle of getting a star player and trading that player away without really building a core around. I could see, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a Sixers fan, right? So it's all about trusting the process and kicking the can down the road. I understand that perspective. But at some point, you know, you bring in a new ownership group and it still seems like things haven't changed or maybe they've gone backwards. That's That can be frustrating. But at the same point, speaking to what you said before that, I don't think you can look at these deals, Stanton, Ozuna, I'll throw in D. Gordon as well. We talked about that last week. He got traded to Seattle. I don't think you can talk about those three deals and say, did the Marlins win? Did the Yankees win? Clearly, the Marlins are doing this with money as the top priority, shedding that payroll, making as much money as they can out of this business, and not in the interest of fielding the best team right now. And if, if they do have any interest at mind, it is what you said. It is rebuilding and getting youth into the farm system, which has been devoid of talent for a little while now by trading away those top players. But I think the first priority is money. The second is getting into that rebuilding phase. Um, But it it is the same thing that we've seen for a little while now from the Marlins. So as I tweeted and as I said last week, I'm not really one bit surprised. And this Giancarlo Stanton talk has been happening for a little while now. So it just kind of finally came together at the right time.
3: Are we? Uh, this could be uh, a smidge of a stretch here, but are we surprised that Stanton landed with the Yankees? And I'm not talking about lineup-wise, but the person at the helm, almost deciding the fate of the Marlins players, is Derek Jeter.
1: I okay. Is here, that the stretch? stretch? I, I, I don't think there's any
3: connection. I, I know that
1: it's easy to say, "Oh, what is Derek Jeter doing?" Maybe that was they need. They wanted to get rid of him. Here's where he said he was going to go, and maybe Derek Jeter, we don't know what's in his mind. He's came starting over new, so he might tr- be trying to rebuild this team differently from what other um, guys in the front office have done. I, I don't buy it. I-, I could see where people are going with that, that, oh, well, Derek Jeter, of course, was going to deal him to the Yankees,
3: but I-, I don't see it. Well, I can totally assure that the talks were a lot smoother with Jeter and the Yankees than sure, Jeter yeah. sure, and the other sure, teams. Sure. But Jeter got thrown into a... Uh, like Brandon kind of just said, like a sunken ship. The team was, team was good. They had a successful Stanton. Yellich was good. Ozuna was good. D Gordon. They had decent pitching, but they weren't at the top of the division. You have to kind of clean house to start over. You're not going to kind of keep bits and pieces and try and build around them. The team isn't good enough. The, the, the base is not strong enough to oh, hold everyone the, around it.
2: The counter-argument for me, though, is that Giancarlo Stanton's 28 years old, and you have him for ten more years. There's not a rush to get rid of him. He's not gonna walk away and leave your team. You have a guy to build around, a centerpiece, a young guy. Marcelo Zuna, team control like team friendly contract, under control. D Gordon, maybe a little bit big of a contract, but under control. I don't think there's a rush to get rid of them. It could be an organizational decision to say, Let's come in, let's rebuild right away but I think it's more based on the dollars and you know, Derek Cheater is part of this ownership group. But he owns four percent of the Miami Marlins. Bruce Sherman owns the majority of this team, and he has a history of coming into businesses, gutting payroll, gutting everything out of it to pluck away the most money. you know this this team kind of built up some faith with the city of Miami to get their big stadium built by having Stanton around for a few years, having D Gordon around before that Jose um Fernandez before he was before he died in the boating accident. And now that they have everything that they need, this group can come in and make good on their investment, gut this team, run it into the ground for 10 or 15 years, and sell it to the next guy and make some
5: money. The
3: thing that I don't like about this entire thing is you have two different packages. You have your D. Gordon, Christian Yelich, Marcel Ozuna on one side, and then you have your Giancarlo Stanton on another. You can build a team around Giancarlo Stanton. Fine. Be a successful team. You can build a team around Yelich, Ozuna, and Gordon. Have a successful team. Fine. I just don't get why they dealt both. I get it in the grand scheme of things like we talked about this entire time. They want to rebuild from the farm system up, get a more successful team, aim for the future. But you need – they – and you said about the fans, the fans would just want to jump ship. If you gave away your probably top four people on the team besides your pitching staff I, – I
2: think where you're coming from is a perspective of making the best moves to make your team good, right? You're saying, I don't understand why you would do this. If your goal is to win a World Series well, no, this they, year they don't, or down the road, they yeah, they don't Their want to win a to World Series money. tomorrow. Their goal is not to be a good baseball team. Their goal is to make money out of this business. But you didn't so, have
3: to ditch Gordon Yelich, you Oduna, didn't have to, and Stanton. But you're going to money. Make,
2: you're going to make money by trading all those guys away. They're going to go from about 115 million dollars in payroll to 55 million dollars in payroll. That 60 million dollar difference. Goes into those owners' pockets who just spent a fortune to buy this team. That I mean, that's to me why they're doing this. It's not to be a good baseball team. We can debate, you know, whether or not this is good for baseball. I think it's not. But you know, I hear you. If you were the GM, yes, you, I wouldn't trade these guys either. But I think that's besides the point because clearly they've shown that they're not in this to win a World Series this year or next
4: the year. I Marlins had the worst far- farm system. In MLB, they're down there. Yeah, and then Yankees obviously had one of the best, so they did get two prospects from the Yankees, I believe. Well, here's what I'm interested in: Why is this a surprise? Teams
3: do this kind of stuff all the time, right? And particularly it, the Marlins. It's it's a surprise. Well, it, it's a surprise because I think it's how many players and how fast they did it, and the caliber of the players they just ditched.
1: I don't know if the length is is significant enough here, like. But oh, the caliber
3: they- of players they ditched, they dealt the NL MVP. they dealt. Three players who are respectable baseball players. Christian Yelich is a, a very good player. Dee Gordon is a good player. Marcelo Zun is a great player. You And, we're again, I'm looking more at it the baseball perspective overall than the money perspective. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's coming as a surprise because they almost, for lack of a better terminology, they kind of re- re- put up the sign that says, yep, we're going to tank this season. We're just going to make the money. That's mm-hmm. why everyone's surprised. Everyone's surprised, like, wow, they just did that. They just made their statement that they don't want to win and they just want to.
2: I guess where you guys are different is you both agree that that's happening. And Teddy's saying, why is that a surprise? Haven't they always? You know, haven't they and always I'm, been I'm doing saying it's that? And you're saying because that's surprising because you know it's
0: John Carlos Stanton and that. Like, it's yeah, an organization, a professional organization, and
3: that's like, and doing goodbye, it. say goodbye to everybody.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. So in the NBA,
1: there's a couple of things we want to hit on. What do we? What do we want to get with first? Um, Brandon, you wanted to talk about the Rockets, who have won since Chris Paul came over. I mean, obviously he was hurt for a little while, but since he's been active, they haven't lost. This team's got the best record in the West. I don't think any of us would go as far to say they are the best team in the West. Maybe you're welcome to say that. But they have had a very good... <laughs> but don't say that, because Teddy doesn't agree with that. No, I'm not going
4: to argue it. I'm just I'm just saying they've had a great start, and the team's playing very well with him. 12-0 now with Chris Paul in the lineup, and they have won 11 in a row. So they are off to a very hot start. Uh, power rankings—I'm not a big fan of that, but do they—they they have them at number one, I believe.
2: I
3: and would they, be surprised if they didn't. Who is they? Uh, I'll, I'll look at I'm gonna just ESPN.
4: I'm going to go off ESPN. Yeah, I'm just going to go off ESPN. And again, like Teddy said. You're, you're,
2: this is off the beaten track, but if you don't like ESPN, why is that your go-to? I don't know. Go-to? That's a
4: very good question. Thank you for calling <laughs> me out on it.
1: But,
2: <laughs> ESPN but is, does
4: have Houston
2: one, by of by the like, Why
3: is that your... For what it's worth. You know, it's one of those things
4: I get an
1: update on, on Bleacher easiest, Report. It's the easiest thing. You just yeah. go to the URL ESPN, and it's
4: it's. <laughs> got, it's also like
1: every single... I have of
2: way that you go to sites.udel.edu backslash the KHWVU. It's just right there. It's on the yeah. Bar, so yeah. you just go and it's, you're like oh, it's muscle memory. I already but listened to this podcast? I, have, I guess I'll listen to it again. I
4: also literally have 17 ESPN channels and only like one Fox Sports channel in which um just Colin Cowherd just completely yells all the time. Um but yeah, I I don't know, you can check the power rankings. I'm not quite into that. I like looking at it sometimes, but um it's it's a long season to look at, you know, all 82 games. I, although it did update recently. Um, they have them at Teddy's. Go- they have them at two. Okay, this is not the power rankings. This is the BMI basketball power. Yeah, index. BMI power index. Yes, sure. It's not the same thing, but similar. I'll take it. I like that. Um, Golden State. I, I like the way it's uh, they have Golden State at one, Houston at two, and Boston at three. So yeah, again, a really good team, and we have not seen the full effect of Harden and Paul. So we'll see what happens really after the. All Star Break to see them fully gel. That team isn't one hundred percent healthy yet either. But Eric Gordon, um, James Harden well they're healthy Chris now. Paul.
2: Well I I say they just lost in Bob Mute. Right? Yeah,
4: yeah. But w-
2: I guess They for got the, Paul. They got the core. Yeah, for them. the most
4: part that core has kinda just started, so we'll we'll see how they fully are together. But I think this is gonna be a really good team. Again, Ahmed likes to get ahead of himself, but wouldn't you like to see these two teams in the Western Conference Finals?
2: Well, I was just about to get to that. I think if there's a team in basketball that's going to beat the Golden State Warriors, it's yeah. Houston. And I would have told you, I think, last off season and before that, that if you were going to beat Golden State, you're going to have to be different than them. You're going to have to have a unicorn, a, a towns, uh, a process, you know, even a team like the Celtics, who are really good right now, I didn't think had a different dimension that could challenge the Warriors. And Houston's not that way. Houston is actually out warriors the Warriors. They lead the NBA in three-point attempts. 51.6% of their attempts are from three. It's way above Golden State, who's shooting just 35.9% of their attempts from three. Golden State's ninth in the league. Houston's first. They're playing that numbers game. They're going to take Tons of threes. James Harden leads the NBA in real plus minus. He leads the NBA in PER. He leads the NBA in points per game. He's up there in assists per game. He's, he's been otherworldly. There's not a whole lot you can do with the shooters they put on the floor in the pick and roll with James Harden and Clint Capella. It is a very tough matchup to beat. Golden State matches up against them nicely because they both play a similar style. But if anything, they're going to put up more threes than Golden State. And if those threes fall in a seven-game series... This is the team, in my opinion, that's most likely to give them a run for their money.
3: And the one, and I've never thought to this day I would do this, but I'm putting James Harden and defense in the same sentence here. The Rockets are now 11th in the NBA in points allowed. They are t- t- they're tied with uh, Washington for points allowed. That is, I'm not going to say solely because of Chris Paul, Chris Paul is one of the better guard one of the best guard defenders he might not be the quickest but he's a smart defender that team is going to be incredibly dynamic when they go to golden state because they not only have a way to outshoot because james harden can outshoot any player in the nba and I'll fight that to anything i think james harden's the best pure scorer in the nba and best one well on let's one make a distinction between
2: scoring and shooting
3: uh, James Harden is the best pure scorer yeah. in the NBA. He might not be yeah. the Kyle Korver-esque. stand Steph yeah, Steph Curry. But he's the best scorer. But now they have a slight layer of defense. They can try to slow down Golden State. They can try to slow down the backcourt a little bit with Chris Paul out there. This could be an interesting series. And like Ahmed said, I'm kind of excited to see these two teams go at each other. Also, real quick,
4: Clay Thompson is a free agent next year. We'll see what happens with the Warriors moving forward. But
2: Two years from now. Clay Thompson? Not this year, but the year after, I believe.
4: But he can still move he's the this summer. First one up. He can still move this summer, correct or no? I don't Is think you restricted? So. It's
2: 2019, I believe.
4: Okay, so I'll, I'll clarify that. But again, this Warriors team that looks, I guess you could say, unbeatable with Durant, their time might be coming.
2: Well, let's let's throw this wrinkle in real quick, something to think about. Houston with LeBron James next year, he's yeah, a free agent. I was getting there. So just a lot of scenarios to think about.